Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Yodis B, March 30-something or other, 31st probably. I'm here with John. Hi, John. Hello, Brandon. How are you? Good. It's the Nice Guys episode. The other two are out. We've got, of course, Chicken Fingers is being a sports dad as per usual. And our good friend <laughs> Stuart got his second jab this afternoon and is a little little under the weather. Yep. A lot of, lot of hallucinations happening. That 5G chip really does a number on folks for the second time around, but it's totally worth it. I, I've heard that you just see nothing but Excel formulas like the Matrix for like a day and a half afterwards, but then you're fine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You're just hallucinating Clippy everywhere. <laughs> just nothing but it's being John Malkovich, but with Clippy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, well, uh, this is uh, for us recording. It's opening day eve. For those listening, is going to be opening day. So let's talk baseball. First and foremost, John, how excited are you? Uh, somewhat excited. Oh. I think somewhat is about right for baseball. Hmm. I oh okay. So if okay okay. So yeah. for baseball, you're very excited, but just in life in general, you can't get that amped about baseball. So you're just somewhat, or is it the opposite? Well, it's it's more like it really is a function of the Twins and what they have done over the last 17 years, like. It's not so much a normal season or maybe a, the normal seasons went out the windows 10 years ago where I might be looking at the April schedule and see who they've got coming in and, well, which one of these teams, what is this going to be like, what should our expectations for April be? For for the Twins, it's really like, <sighs> October 1st. Let's just look forward to that. It's like a qualifying round game that they should win but might not. And it lasts so, for 162 games. So I thought maybe a theme, you know, I'm big on themes, John, for this evening would be somewhat of, is, is nature healing as a question right. for most of our teams going on? And it feels like, as you mentioned, there was a number of years where we knew, and we're spoiled, so we should say that, uh, we do also remember the Scott Stahoviak <laughs> lean years, but there was a long time where the AL Central was a disaster and the Twins were competent, so you right. could pencil them in for 85 to 92 wins and then just, you know, soiling themselves on the playoff stage. And are you saying that that feel, and then there was a, there was last year, well, last year was just weird for a million reasons, but the year before was like absolute juggernaut team. Right. And so it seems like we're now getting back into a nature is healing with the twins where you're feeling the same sort of somewhat excited minor amount of dread combination with this twins team. Well, it was you you make a good comparison to two years ago and last year. Two years ago, 
it was very exciting just to see them hit a thousand home runs and not only be competent but be be kind of exciting in that way. They had Nelson Cruz and they had all these guys that were going deep. Mitch Garver somehow hit fifty nine home runs or whatever. It was it was just an exciting year to be a Twins fan. And then last year, even for probably the first two weeks of the year, it it looked like they might go about fifty five and five for the shortened season. Mm-hmm. So that was exciting. And then it was just sort of rolling slowly into the playoffs. They didn't have to do a heck of a lot, and Chicago collapsed down the stretch, and they just had to sort of stay ahead of Cleveland, and they ended up in. And having the expanded playoffs helped, too, because it wasn't so much a pennant race. as more like a – it was a lot like watching the NHL, really. Oh, you had, a pretty good, you had a pretty good month to start the season. Now it's just sort of time to – Keep it under wraps for the rest of the year. Skate it in as the fourth seed or something like that and go from there. But having already had those two things and having so many of the same guys back for the Twins, not a bad thing for the Twins exactly, but it's kind of hard to look at the up and down the lineup and go, yeah, yeah, Max Kepler, he's good. Uh, Josh Donaldson, yeah, he's been here before. He's, He's good. The maybe the only guy who was it was a little bit exciting that he might be here and we might get to see what he can do is Alex Kirilov and he got one hit in a month and a half in spring training or whatever and now is going to start the year. I was going to say in the minors, but it's not even in the minors because AAA hasn't isn't starting until May first, so he's just going to be over in St. Paul taking bratting practice and eating at the Bulldog. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I. The the excitement is a little bit, what are the exciting things about the Twins this year? Unless, if you particularly like relief pitching, I guess there's Hansel Robles and Alex Colome. Yeah, you know I'm a sucker for those guys. That might be it. Right. I don't know. Yeah. What else do you get well, excited about with the Twins? Okay, okay, let's see here. Uh, well, we could see our, if our guy Kenny Main our starter tomorrow is as legit as he looked last year. Right. You know, he was always pretty good for the Dodgers, but not amazing. And then all of a sudden last year he was amazing. That's something. That's something. Okay. Uh, let's I'll give that about here. a four out of 10 on the excitement scale. All right. Uh, Michael Pineda. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> I don't where you're going with this. I don't know where you're going with that. Uh, Michael Pineda is a person who pitches we know for the He Twins. kind of is who he is at this point. He could have a good season, but he's not going to be a Cy Young candidate. Um, what about Matt Shoemaker? He's a high upside guy, right? Could he? Because he's like been a guy who's been dominant but also injured. Seems like one of those high-variance type players. We could see some magic out of Matt Shoemaker if he's even still on the team. <laughs> Question mark? One thing... <laughs> I was surprised to find out that Shoemaker was, like, in his mid-30s. For some reason, I thought he was about 28, and so it was a little bit of an exciting signing. But he's been around and getting hurt freakishly every year for so long that now he's, like, on the downside of his career, which is fine. Right. There's nothing wrong with that, but it's not It's not even like Pineda would have been a couple years ago because you remember with Pineda – he was hurt and out for the year, and the Twins signed him to a weird contract where they paid him $2 million to just sit around and do nothing for a year, and mm-hmm. then $8 million for the next year where he was actually going to pitch. It was basically a, 
one-year, $10 million contract, except they spread it over two years just so they had something to pay him in the first year. Um, and so even with Pineda coming back from that injury, it was a little bit exciting because he, they had invested so much in him already. But Shoemaker is very much sort of the bargain bin, which, mm, is, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But no. I'm still going to rate it about uh, 2 out of 10 on the excitement scale. This is not a going great for us when you've just continued to say there's nothing wrong with that as if we're in a, the middle of a Seinfeld episode. Right. <laughs> not that there's anything wanna, wrong with I don't wanna, Matt Shoemaker. I mean, there's nothing wrong with Matt Shoemaker. I, you know, I don't want to judge him. I don't want to criticize him for being in his mid-30s or criticize no. him for freakish injuries that happen every year. I'm, I, don't wanna, wrong with I don't want it to come off like I'm saying that those things are necessarily his fault. Mm-hmm. It just, the, the, not that there's anything wrong with that. And there's nothing wrong with, yeah. no, there isn't. Okay, uh, let's let's keep going here. How about uh, Josh Donaldson? I am um, kind of excited is, for Josh Donaldson this year. I do, <laughs> I'm hopeful. Let's put it that way. We never got to see the full Josh Donaldson experience, and he was really good for a very long time, so... He's, again, getting older, but not necessarily so old where you can't expect him to have a really incredible season. So that could happen. I'll tell you what I'm excited about with Donaldson. So every year he has something horrible happens to his calf muscle. And so before the year he said, and I'm, uh, this is not going to be a direct quote, but what he said was basically, what I have done this offseason to try to avoid getting hurt is I'm going to change the way I run. And Josh Donaldson <laughs> is a 35-year-old man, and I cannot wait to see what a 35-year-old man trying to relearn how to run at this point of his life looks like. It's going to be such a cool run. It might be. Such it a might stylish be, run. I, I haven't watched a lot of spring training. Is it backwards? Is he running backwards around the bases? <laughs> Just a really good shuffler. <laughs> Okay, what about uh, what about Andre the Giant or shortstop? That's something you gotta yeah. be excited about. That and there's nothing that excites the kids more than great plays by the cutoff man. Good range. Yep. Ah, <sighs> damn it, John. I mean, people, I've got nothing else. People are excited about Simmons, and I I haven't seen him play that much, so I think I will be really impressed by it. But like, you know, there's a couple of guys who are just sort of the the web gem factories, like. Nolan Arenado or sort of those left side of the infield guys who are just defensive wizards. That can be fun. So I think that's the best one you've got so far is Andrelton Simmons' defense. Yeah, and that's that's my closer. I mean, I kind of wanted to throw out Byron Buxton again, but my God, how many times have we oh, well, have yeah. we watched this movie? I, so that's not fair. I'm not sure I'm willing to get – I'm obviously hoping that he's going to have another MVP year, but – I'm not sure how ready I am to trust him. No, no, I'm not. Not at all. Yeah. Okay, well, that's fine. Let me ask you another question about baseball. Okay. There's going to be a long list this year of things coming back to normal and it being very comforting. Is this a moment for you of baseball is back and it's going to feel, you know, that's just more of a part of your routine? Or is it have sports kind of felt normal for you for a while and that's not so much a momentous occasion in that regard? Yeah, that's an interesting question. I One of the things that is really 
affecting me more than I sort of thought it would was we're hitting the one-year anniversary of everything that has happened. The, all of March and even even smaller things we're starting to hit sort of the anniversary of. And so in a lot of ways, baseball, regular season baseball coming back tomorrow, I, I feel a little bit like – do you remember when Korean baseball was suddenly on TV? This was pretty early on in the pandemic. It was one of the first sports leagues mm-hmm. that came, but maybe even the first sports league that was back and you could see it on ESPN and stuff. And mm-hmm. obviously it's Korean baseball and much is as famous as my love of niche sports is. I, even I didn't know hardly anything about <laughs> Korean baseball. Mm-hmm. But when it did come back, I was so over the moon about it. Just, I was – the games were on at 2 in the morning or whatever, but then they'd be on tape delay on ESPN or whatever. And I was avoiding Twitter for a couple of days just so I could make sure that nobody happened to tweet the score of the LG Twins versus the whatever. <laughs> wow. So I could really enjoy this baseball. And after a couple of days, it just sort of seemed normal, and there were no fans in the stands. And, and throughout the pandemic, that has proved uh, – really affect the excitement of actually watching a game on TV is having no fans there is really kind of a kind of a problem but yeah the first couple of days i was really excited and a little bit that's how i feel about opening day tomorrow like looking at the schedule and saying all right i'm going to turn the tv on for that and that'll be fun and it'll just be nice to have baseball back and i'll flip around but that has all that has already been true with hockey and basketball and everything else all winter. So I don't think it's going to feel like feel like nature is healing at all. It's just going to feel okay. Yeah, I agree with you. You know, I, I understand that there's a lot of weirdness within the basketball and hockey seasons right now. Probably uh, in the background, things you don't see. But when you're watching it, it all feels pretty normal at this point. You know, all of a sudden, guys will be out for a couple weeks because of COVID. But guys are out a couple weeks for a million other reasons from since the beginning of time. So I don't feel I, I'm with you on that. I feel like very excited to have baseball back, although I won't be able to watch it, um, at least not the Twins. But it doesn't feel like this is the first step in anything sports-wise because I think sports have just basically been back to normal for a long time now. And even when they weren't back to normal, like college football, it just was sort of seems like everybody was just sort of pretending that it was normal. So I I think the one thing I am looking forward to is I I think well, I, I guess I don't know. I'm not sure which of the Minnesota teams will have a home game first after some fans are allowed back in the stands. I mm-hmm. the Twins home opener is until the fourteenth, right? Something like that. So I think either the Wild or the Wolves will have 3,000 fans or whatever they're being allowed. Well, if the Wolves manage to draw 3,000 fans, that will actually be some something of a surprise. But Yeah, that's not uh, – don't hold your breath. Um, I mean, the Wolves are truly the perfect time of COVID sport because even there, – there's no more going to a Timberwolves game experience – than buying a cheap ticket for, like, the upper deck ends and having literally 25 rows of the Target Center to yourself. They were practicing COVID regulations for years. They are the social distancing NBA team, for sure. 
That's right. Um, <laughs> so anyway, I think I think that will be different and exciting when the Twins are playing at Target Field and the camera can cut to the stands and actually see people wearing Twins jerseys and. If if March Madness is any indication, though those people in the stands will have their mask in some wildly Byzantine way wrapped around their face, but somehow covering neither their mouth or their nose. You know what I mean? No, just right over the eyes. Like for some reason, <laughs> why is it on your forehead? I don't understand. <laughs> just down no under your, your bicep. What are you doing? Yeah. I, I mean, know. it's not even it's not even like the early on in the pandemic you would see people with their mask on dutifully at the grocery store, but it was covering like their lower lip, and that was it. Like, what are you mm-hmm. what are you doing? Yeah. But now, especially with the March Madness, they'd cut to the stands, and it would just be it's <laughs> it's like a chin strap on a football helmet. What are you? Why? What? What's even the point at that point? Just take it off if you're going to wear it down there. It doesn't ma- make any difference in any there anymore. So yeah. that'll be that'll be interesting, but it's going to be good. Be there at some point. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, it'll be fun. I'm excited, and also it'll walking into any sporting event at some point. It'll be the first sporting event I go to this summer. I don't. I don't know when that'll be. Maybe it'll be closer to the end of the summer. I really don't know, but. It's going to feel like the dream where you're walking into school and you look down and you're naked. It's going to yes. feel exactly like the living embodiment of that dream. Like, what am I doing? I can't be at a sporting event. That's not allowed. Yet here mm-hmm. I am. Right. Very true. Uh, well, we want to do bros and turds at some point here, John. I know that's mm-hmm. our famous mm-hmm, bit mm-hmm. but i've got another thing i wanted to point out to you is that things are going to get back to normal nature and one is thing that nature is healing as we said that's our theme and one part of nature healing that i don't think you and i will necessarily partake in this summer one just as being extra careful uh cucks even though we're vaccinated uh we might not do but also we have children and things are one thing that becomes difficult when you have young kids is a road trip Right. So this might not be in the cards for you or I this year, but I still think we've got a responsibility to tell our beloved listeners who I know wait to plan any of their summer trips until they hear from us and our recommendations. Right. That's a thing that we've heard time and time again for years. So uh, by popular demand, I've, I scoured the twin schedule. Okay. Spent 30 seconds um, right. <laughs> and looked at some potential road trips. And there's four decent ones this year. None okay. of them are perfect. None of them are absolutely perfect, but there's four that I think are pretty cool. Okay. Um, and uh, I don't. You can react to these. Maybe you can like grade me if you think these are good road trips or not, or if you would go to them or not. But one of them, uh, May 11th through 13th at the White Sox. So hmm. the good thing is that um, this is. There's a fair amount of people who on May 11th through May 13th will have been recently vaccinated. Right. And so this is a, a like a right away, I got to go do something. That's This is for those folks. Um, the, the downside is this is midweek. Hmm. So it's not a weekend trip, which is kind of a bummer. Right. Uh, I couldn't find any uh, White Sox weekend trips this summer. Too bad. Um, but if you're hot to trot and you got to get out, I think this, is, this would be a really fun one to go do. 
Um, weather will probably be pretty good. And 48 hours in Chicago, we've probably talked about this a lot. I know I have. It's just one of the best weekends. It's you can do so many different fun things. It's a it's just doable as a city, and it's never overwhelming in that amount of time. You're going to stay busy. There's just a lot of fun stuff to do. So yeah, the, that would be <laughs> the downside of that one is that sitting in U.S. Cellular Field or whatever it's called is it guaranteed rate field still? I think it's guaranteed rate field. Sitting in New Comiskey Park for three consecutive days is enough to think, make you feel an, ill. No matter what, yeah. Even, Maybe even just set up one pandemic. game. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. I'm gonna go yeah, on this road trip. Downside. I'm gonna go on this road trip to Chicago, and I'm gonna do a bunch of fun things, and I'm going to not go to any of the games. All right, what's the next one? Road trip number two. We're doing this in order. This one's got some some good and some bad to it as well. All right. June third through June sixth in Kansas City. What's the downside? Kansas City's a great road trip. Everybody loves Kansas City. (laughs) Kansas City is one of the best, for sure. The only downside I can see here is um, I'm a parent, and I'm a narcissist, so I assume everybody else has kids the exact same age as my kids, and my kids are in school, so I assume everybody else has school-age children. And so this is like the week before school gets out. So if you have kids, it's not really like a, a, you know, you can't really... Or you can, I suppose, if you want to. Don't I, I won't judge you, but a little bit harder to pull your kid out on a Friday when he's only got like four days left uh, to get down to Kansas City a little bit sooner than you were hoping. But, ah, fuck it. Last year. Yep. Go ahead and do it. Pull them out oh, on Friday. They can't do online school from Kansas City? Yeah, they've got the internet down there, <laughs> probably. I feel like... For the next couple of years, there's going to be a lot of people like, oh, we'll just go to Disneyland. The kids can do online school from Disneyland, and the teachers will just be furious. Oh, no, yeah. No, we are yep. not broadcasting this on Zoom just so your kid can <laughs> <laughs> listen in for Magic Mountain or whatever. That's not happening. Right. Yeah. So maybe there isn't much of a downside. That is a weekend trip, June 3rd through 6th in Kansas City weekend. I just talked about my love for uh, Chicago, 48 hours. Kansas City, I would say the exact same thing. And it's both of them are pretty equal in uh, drives. I think they're probably seven-ish hours, kind of mm-hmm. depending on where you're starting from and where you're going, et cetera. But the Kansas City drive is so simple. Uh, it's, just an, it's just a really easy, low-stress drive. You stop in at Fong's Pizza in Des Moines on the way down, which is fantastic. And uh, it's really like a, a really, really simple trip. And so that's I'm, – I'm going to look into that one. Now that yep. we've been talking about it, I might, uh, I might look into that one. That seems like a really fun one. The, the nice so thing is in Chicago, you have so many different things to do, whereas in Kansas City, you just have 11 different barbecue joints to go to. It's just barbecue and Royals games. Yep. And the barbecue's unbelievable. Uh, we talked about this plenty on this podcast, I'm sure, but um, my wife and kids and I, over Christmas break this year, drove down to Austin, Right. and Kansas City is about perfect halfway stop, so we stopped in Kansas City and got barbecue, and it was just the best ever. Which just barbecue ate place? Ate in, ate in, we did Q39. Q39 is solid. Extremely solid. Yeah. It's very good. Um it's not the most sort of traditional place, but it's always been, I think, our favorite of actual food. And we stayed in a hotel, and we weren't doing, you know, this was mid-December. Right. And uh, so we were just doing takeout, and it was the closest place to get takeout. And we just sat on our hotel bed and pounded some ribs and brisket. 
and it was amazing. And then that went was my to 40th sleep, birthday. Went to sleep 11 minutes later. That's right. Yep. <laughs> Nothing like exactly a rib right. nap. Yeah. All Love right. a rip. I like now. that. Kansas. That's the top-ranked contender at this point. Kansas City weekend series. I like that one. How about this? Same exact city, Kansas City. Same. It's also a weekend, July 2nd through 4th. So you could spend 4th of July mm. down there, which is kind of fun. So the upside is there that probably be a lot of fun, special occasion-type activities down in Kansas City. The downside is, number one, a lot of people probably already have uh, right. you and I as, as – as uh, many listeners know, you and I have spent the past 10 years together on a boat and uh, at Big Island in Lake Minnetonka. <laughs> so we would have to miss our yep. beloved Big Island trip, you and me, back-to-back beer bonging, all the stuff that we love to do. That's right. Um, getting STDs. So cool. Puking in the lake, swimming in the puke, yeah, all the stuff we love. Last year was rough when we had to puke in the lake over Zoom. That was not really... <laughs> What I was looking for. But you got to keep these traditions alive. We're so committed. We still did it. Yeah. I was so proud of both we of us We went for to doing separate that. lakes and threw up. Separate lakes. Yep. Yep, that's right. Just waist deep, guzzling beer, <laughs> deserted lake. Yeah. And the other downside to that is, uh, I don't know if you've ever been to Kansas City in July, but it's, it's yeah. the surface of the sun temperature. Yep. It is. So that's... Ugh. It is it is the armpit of America in the summertime. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Okay. And then the last one I've got, fourth one, July thirtieth through August first in St. Louis. Oh, interesting. So you're gonna run into a little weather there as well. Yeah. Which is a bummer. But it's St. Louis. It's not as common of a road trip as Kansas City and Chicago. It's again over a weekend. And uh, this is really squarely in the nature is healing because you have to imagine this is the latest one of the four that I found to be a good summer trip. I mean, knock on wood or something like it near you, but things are going to be really raring at the end of July and early August. You know, that's we're we're up to herd immunity, mm-hmm. just parties in the street. It's going to be incredible at that point. So I think any other – and we'll get to – it's a shame. Uh, some, uh, I just want to say it's a shame that the dates on those last two that you mentioned, the Kansas City and St. Louis, couldn't be flipped. Because going mm-hmm. to Saint, going to a Cardinals game over July Fourth weekend would be perfect because all of the Cardinals fans will be storming the Capitol that weekend, and so <laughs> there won't be anybody there. Tickets will be available. It'll be social distance. It'll be great. <laughs> I didn't see that coming. <laughs> Damn it! Oh, that's good. Oh man! Wow, John, what a pull! <laughs> <laughs> uh, just awful people. I don't know. So good. Have you been to Bush Stadium? I have not. No. It is you. It it's it's a strange it's a strange park. It feels it, somehow it feels like the stands. No matter where you go in the park, everything is a hundred feet from the actual game. I don't know what's causing that exactly. It just feels weird. Hmm. I, I I can't put my finger on what it is, but I didn't I didn't like it very much. That's interesting. Did you was this one of your great baseball road yes, trips? Yes, this was a great baseball road trip. It was St. Louis was the destination one of those years, and I I don't know. It was maybe it was because I'd been going through the the parks of the Midwest League prior to getting to St. Louis, where you sit two feet from. 
the manager in the on deck circle drinking cheap beer, and so sitting in the five hundred level or whatever of Bush Stadium seemed like it wasn't actual baseball, and I was watching it on TV. But it, it just, I don't know it. It was not my favorite park, but the same thing has been true going to like Kansas City, and Kansas City is a great park to go to. Right. So I don't know. I've I said this before, John. Uh, maybe we've talked about this, but if you were designing a field from scratch right now and there was no tradition or history around baseball, wouldn't you just, wouldn't there not be such thing as foul territory? Why is that shouldn't exist now that we've got netting up where people aren't going to get uh, murdered by a foul ball anymore? Wait, so if you've got netting, you just would have everything about five feet from the foul lines. That's how close oh, we would be you. able to sit to the action. I see what I you're mean, you mean. I mean, you think about basketball. They obviously realize, like, hey, we can get people like legitimately three feet off the court, and that's going to be okay. And of course, it's not always okay. They run into people and knock beers over, and every once in a while, there's an injury and all that. But it's incredible for the fans, right? Right. I like um, I like this because it, it also would completely remove the idea of a wild pitch from the game. Because you would throw a wild pitch and then it would just ricochet possibly back to the second baseman. <laughs> just be like, just pandemonium. Right. Yeah. That is a like that is a chaotic part of the game if that actually happened. Right? So the ball ricochets over to like toward the first baseman, and now there's a guy on second that's trying to run over to third. <laughs> Brother, there's some action going on right there. I gotta see how that works. <laughs> I it's sort of like the anti-Oakland. I want to, yeah, exactly. Like we said before, I want to try this just for one game and see see how this would work. Just somehow move the stands right up next to, right up next to the field, just for a game, and just see what happens. <laughs> what is the I'm what a, is the downside of it? It's amazing for fans. We know what the, this is incredible for fans. Uh, pitchers are going to be bummed because there's foul territory, which is stupid anyway. That just feels like cheating. I, right. And I am a pitcher. I love when I get foul pop-outs, but it doesn't feel like really part of the game. It would just be so... And, you you know, they, when you ever you hear from somebody, which I really haven't, but, you know, has been able to sit, like, courtside, you hear these stories of, like, it's amazing hearing how much the coaches, you know, what they're saying, what players are saying to each other and all that. It's just an incredible, and you don't get really hardly any of that in baseball. Now, baseball, there's not really a whole lot of, no one's really talking shit in baseball, but still being around some of the action would be so fun and it would make it such an incredible experience. And it's not just the people that are closer to the game. Every single seat in the stadium would benefit because every single one of them would be 40 feet closer. Right. I like it. Let's, I don't know. <laughs> let's tear down Target Field and start over. I think you just you just add. It's just a small uh, renovation. This is so. I, no, I started not. in in it's my mind. I started thinking like, how would this work? Could they put up a temporary fence or something? And then I'm remembering this is probably 15 years ago now. But the St. Paul Saints had. They they must have had some ticket deal. This is back when they were in Midway Stadium. They must have had some deal for uh, holiday, like Memorial Day or July Fourth or something. And they there were no there's no seats. There were no seats in the outfield at Midway. But what they did was they just put about 
six rows of folding chairs in the outfield just put up a snow fence in front of him. <laughs> and the game ended when the center fielder, he caught a, a long drive basically just by crashing directly through the snow fence and into the laps of a couple of people who were sitting in folding chairs. It was one of... <laughs> One of the great sporting moments of the decade, and I think I might have been the only person who happened to be watching on public access TV at the time and saw it. Right. Yeah, there's potential for that as well. But I just, especially with new stadiums being designed, the Oakland, the dimensions, that'll never be repeated ever again. Nobody on earth would ever have that much fun. So why don't they just keep kind of continuing to to push a little bit closer? And I guess I don't need it to be three feet behind home plate. That's probably a little bit aggressive. I get that. There needs to be a little bit extra space here and there. Um, But I don't know. I'm hoping that becomes the... uh, uh, the next trend or the, 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 the new sort of thing. So so we'll see. <laughs> I hope if Oakland ever actually manages to build their stadium, to rebuild their stadium or whatever, I hope that they, for some reason, decide to replicate the acres and acres of foul ground. <laughs> it's tradition. Yeah, it's tradition. It's, it's tradition. We have that's to Oakland do that. baseball. Everybody's ERA being fluffed up by having 14 foul outs by each team every game. Right, exactly. Okay, John, we got to keep moving here, dude. It's time for us to do our uh, world-famous bros and turds. World-famous. World-famous bros and turds. Um, That's the the opening song. (laughs) Okay, John. I want to do one of our favorite live updates from a game that's going on right now because the Timberwolves, there's five seconds left in the Timberwolves game. They're up by one. They just got an, a defensive rebound, and then Carl Anthony Towns just threw it right to a Knicks player. And then there was literally a football football style pileup on the floor, like scrambling for a fumble. And at the end of it, there were three different people holding various body parts on the ground <laughs> injured. Oh. It was just oh, absolute Jesus. chaos. And if there was any. If there was any microcosm of the Timberwolves season this year, it might have been that right there. Anyway, why why did he why did Carl Anthony Towns do this? He had the ball. He had the well. I, I'm going to need to see several more replays so I can understand why it seemed like he was shoveling it directly to an ex player. Yeah, it's pretty dumb strategy. All right, we'll get back to that. We'll get back uh, to John. Do you I'm sorry. To, uh, I just I couldn't not mention it. And it's the sport of tradition. All right, bros and turds. Bros and turds. Bros and turds. Um, okay, let's start with bros. Okay. Can um, I get to go first this year? Sure. All I would right. love that. All right. My bro for the year is, I, I think we sort of already covered this. My bro for the year is Josh Donaldson. Okay. And I we always talk about the criteria for that. So my criteria is that he is going to play at least 120 games and his OPS is going to be north of 900. That's excellent. Now, I was not planning to uh, – I did not know that the um, – oh, by the way, I just want to make this really clear. I am starting on my second tall boy All right. right now. So anything after this is – you know, can't be held against me legally. Um, 
Okay, so that's good. My bro is Randy Dobnak. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. All right. What's your criteria for said, bro? I, d- I wasn't expecting the criteria. I didn't know that I, I didn't know the third council would be here tonight. Um, so I guess I would say he's going to be league average. That's pretty fucking incredible, right? That, uh, what, what counts as league average here? <laughs> this is, this is the least confident bro pick of all time. <laughs> I guess I just was thinking that he's not even really our, I mean, what number starter is he? Six, but he might be the sixth there. If there was, yeah, he's not even really a starter. So if he ends up being like a league average rotation guy, that would be that'd be awesome. So let's say his ERA will be under four point three. Under four point three. How many starts (laughs) does he have to make? Boy, this is a terrible bro pick. (laughs) Uh, He has to make nineteen starts. All right, nineteen starts. Wow, this is exciting. Everybody get your Dobnak jerseys. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah, incredible. What a year. Okay, uh, Stu's pick is uh, Kyle Garlic. We we should mention that Stu is under the influence of a lot of powerful drugs right now. So, he Kyle sure Garlic? Kyle Garlic, who I, mean, I think made the I team? Su- I assume his criteria Possibly? is plays, plays in more than 40 games because... I think that's about what we're looking for for Kyle Garlic here. I mean, we've got Arise, Buxton, Kepler, and Jake Cave also made the team, I believe. No? Did Kyle Garlic make the team? I think he did. I think he is on the team. Yeah. He's like our fourth outfielder. And Arise plays outfield, too. Let's check this actual roster. We're going to see if we can... Given that we have to talk about whether he actually made the roster, that doesn't right. seem like it's a good sign. He did make the roster. He's the fourth outfielder. Uh, this makes my my bro pick seem a little better. So I like that. I'm on board because of that. It took took the heat off of me. So the bro council. I don't think we need to belabor that point. Yeah, if he stays I on the we'll team all season, that would be an that's amazing. Pretty much a good bro. Yeah, yeah, we'll know. And then Chicken Fingers bro was. Trevor, uh, can you say his last name, please? Uh, Larnack? Larnack? I think. Sure. You know, I'm only a reader. 
I don't watch that's TV right. or video at all. I can't so. pronounce any words. That's my excuse too. Because I so read well too read. much and I don't, I don't listen to the, the brain destroying things mm-hmm. like radio or television or podcasts. Now, if you, oh my God, my kids are screaming. <laughs> Can you hear that? <laughs> yeah, it was holy shit. It was very much. It was very much like Stu's dog at about this point of the podcast oh. too. Yeah, playing the oh, role. No, of, I don't know. Is that loud? Playing the role of Sophie tonight is Jones Broxy Jones just screaming Broxy. in his bedroom. We're supposed to be asleep. <laughs> um, now you could tell me Trevor Larnack was in single A at this point, and I'd believe you. I know he's supposed to be a stud, right? But I don't know if we're expecting much out of him this year. So I wonder if he's planning to use like Saint Paul Saints statistics for this one, which would be new. Which I wouldn't would be put fine. it past Chicken Fingers. We should pick Saint a... Paul Saints bros and turds. Maybe Fuck. next week. That's so good. That's so good. Next week. Yep. Let me put this on the uh, future yep. agenda part of my notes here. Uh, I yes. I mean. What a what an idea. The yeah, struggle that I have at this point is that I I know that Kirilov is supposed to be the the best of all of them, but I really spend a lot of time getting Kirilov and Brent Rooker and Trevor Larnock confused. Mm-hmm. Like, all right, one of them went to Oregon State, but I can't remember which one of them. Yep. One of them probably can't play the field very much and is going to be a first base designated hitter type. It's not Kirilov. Kirilov, everyone yep. seems to think, has a little athleticism, but I can't remember whether it's Rooker or Larnock that is not maybe the most athletic guy. How many are left-handed? How many are left-handed? That's a great question. To, uh, uh, over under is set on one and a half. It's <laughs> for I, sure one of them. <laughs> at least one of them must be left-handed. Yes. Yes, um, no doubt about it. Kirilov is left-handed, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, he's the guy who came in in the playoffs and and uh, smoked a single to right field, which is pretty cool. Because I, I remember because I broke onto a flop sweat when he came up because I was remembering when Jason Kupel came up in the playoffs against right. Mariano Rivera. I don't know if you remember that. That was one of the more horrifying things to ever see because if I – my memory – and again, this is nostalgia at this point – I remember Mariano Rivera throwing one above his head, and he still swung at it and swung and missed. That's <laughs> he, what, that's how I remember it. He was a little keyed up, as I recall. A little bit. Yeah. A little bit. Okay, so Trevor Larn. It's funny, it's funny how these things seem like they were kind of like yesterday. Like, all Twins fans will remember this, but there's Twins fans who are in college now who were born after Jason Kubel de- debuted in the playoffs. So I know. Oh my God! Yeah. What was that? Two thousand four, probably. It's like this is my favorite part of the podcast when we are just <laughs> trying to remember things that we're both in front of a computer, being like, "God, I wonder if that happened." I I wish there was a way for us to find out, but we're gonna have to rely on our memories at this point. Uh, I think that was two thousand two. Okay. Yep, I'll believe that. That sounds right to me. Thanks in advance to Wade for looking that up. That was a tough moment, though. So I remember the Kirilov, and now I'm going to be nervous that Kirilov is actually on the wild. No, oh no, another K name. If his name was yeah. Kyle Kirilov, then he definitely would be on the wild. Yeah. Either way, we're going to have to go to our nicknames pretty quickly. Yep. Um, with uh, 
<laughs> By the way, old I, with old Al, I just like to report that Kirilov is left-handed, Rooker is right-handed, and Larnack hits left but throws right. Okay. Okay. So that's our report. A couple of lefties. This is like the other week when we went down the wild roster and talked about who shot with who shot with which hand. <laughs> I know. Well, Great radio. Uh, do we have a nickname for Alex Kirilov? I don't think we do yet. We've got another month now, as yep. the twins just so happened to. Oh, Let's, we're not manipulating uh, his service time. He just needed another month of batting practice in St. Paul, and now he's ready to go. That's right. Let's start with Al Cowlings. We'll have that be the starting point, and then if we can top that, I'd be I'd Al be Cowlings. That's a good. That's a good place Al to start. Cowlings. All right, let's move on to turds. All right, I'm going first with the turds. I'm I'm nervous, Brandon. Mm-hmm. I'm real mm-hmm. nervous about picking a turd. Okay, I have shown an ability, a proclivity, a secret talent to find the best player on the Minnesota Twins and pick them as my turd. Might I say superpower? This has happened for a couple years in a row. So maybe, I'm just thinking out loud here, what I want to do is I want to think of the guy who needs the biggest boost and pick him as my turd. Yep. And then right when you do that, the opposite happens. I've got it. Mitch Garver. Mitch Mitch Garver. Garver. That's a really good turd. Come on, Mitch. I can see that. I really hope he proves me wrong. Yeah. He's he's real real prime turd candidate though. Yeah. You know cuz it just God, he was so good that one year and it just I don't know. Nah, I don't know. He had one surprisingly good year and then one surprisingly terrible year following that, but last year almost doesn't count because it was short and there was COVID, and I can't really blame anybody for having a rough year because, frankly, all of us had a rough year. So my hope is that Garver gets back to the two years ago Garver, but in order to encourage him to do that, I'm going to pick him as my turd. I'm going to say that he ends the season with a under 200 batting average, and I don't know what his bonus is for making the All-Star game, but I feel like he should send me part of it. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. He's a listener. He'll do the right thing. I'm going to go with Tyler Duffy. Mm. No reason. Just because? Yeah. I'm not going to ask you what the criteria is because I don't want to get lost in a discussion of whip or. Yeah, I think he's there. just, I think we'll, he, he's a we'll know it when we see it sort of guy, right? Like, oh, he sucked this year. The yeah. end. I think he'll just generally kind of suck this year. I'm All worried right. about him. That's fair. All right, who did Stu oh, have? Stu's turd was uh, George Polanco. George Polanco. That would be a bummer if that were true. I guess I can see that happening. He has been pretty good, but he always, I you know, might just be a, like he was not never, ever really supposed to be. It may have been a flash in the pan for him as well. Right. He was. He wasn't great last year. He wasn't. I don't think terrible, but. Way worse than the prior year when he was, when he was amazing. So, which All is right. kind of a kind of a theme. And then the uh, turd for chicken fingers is Jeffers. Oh, we got two catching turds. Two catching turds. Yep, yep. Old Jeffers. And again, I'm not exactly sure what bad would look like from Ryan Jeffers. 
I mean, no. he has to just like get cut. Well, I, I feel Arrested? like it, I feel like turd for Ryan Jeffers would be Garver is as bad as I thought he was going to be, and yet Jeffers is bad enough that Garver still catches 110 games or something like that. Yeah. Or so it's maybe, basically just fully useless. Yeah, maybe the criteria for Jeffers is if Williams Astadio catches more than 15 games, then Ryan <laughs> yes. Jeffers is a turd. <laughs> yeah, that's trouble. Okay, and then let's go to wins. All right. Uh, I feel like we should let Stu and Chicken go first on this one because I have their win numbers and I don't want to step on them. It would be unfair to step directly true. on them. So Very true. Stu has 89 wins. No, wait, I'm sorry. That was chicken. Nope. <laughs> chicken has 89 wins. I'm very good at this, by the way. Very good. Yeah. Chicken has 89 wins. Stu had 92 wins for the Twins. And I like both of those picks a lot. They're good. All right, why don't you go first on this one, Brandon? I'll go last. Uh, because I saw those numbers, I wanted to, like you, not just say the exact same thing. So I'm just going to go 88 wins because I want to be... <laughs> I want to be <laughs> I'm just taking a little bit under the other one. I can't go less than that. As far as we know right now, there should be two pretty pretty bad teams in the division. So it feels like and they and they are again I I do know that we're jinxing with some of this sort of stuff, but they are a pretty deep team. Um so barring a really huge collapse or some incredible um, run of injuries, I feel like they're going to be pretty competitive. But I also think they've had a pretty good run for a couple years now, and they're due for a little bit of a little bit of bad luck. I think Vegas has them pegged at about ninety-one. So I'll just go a tiny bit under and say eighty-eight wins, and it will be a slightly disappointing season. And then they will win a playoff game. All right. I am going to go out on a hot take limb here. I oh am going to say that this is the year that the Indians trading all their good players finally crashes down on them. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to say that hiring a 94-year-old man to manage the Chicago White Sox turns out not to be a good move. <laughs> when you take uh, a 94-year-old you... drunk man, <laughs> a 94-year-old problems with managing his personal life man mm-hmm. he's old enough that if you take the if you take the ages of any four players on the white Sox roster and add them together it still doesn't <laughs> add up to tony larusa's age um i'm gonna say that backfires and all of this combines for the twins to win 97 games this year oh my god hell yes wow john now we didn't I'm going to say talk about this. I'm I'm going to add that the White Sox lose more games than they win. Holy shit. Uh, If there was ever a nature is healing thing I have ever witnessed in my life, it's John Marthaler having a lot of hope the day before (laughs) the season starts. This is amazing. You did it. Nature truly is We're back healing to normal, baby. in front of our eyes. John complained about the Twins for one solid hour and is now predicting 97 wins. Yeah. Wow. What an incredible take that was. I love it. And, it, yeah, you're right. There are warning signs. If they do win 97 games, not a fan who's been paying attention would be shocked, right? Right. 
Now, say, same with 84 or whatever. There's mm-hmm. a, but, um, but it, yeah, it could happen for sure. That's amazing. I like it. Okay. I'm excited, I'm excited about this year all of a sudden. They got 97 yeah. wins. Don't let me down, fellas. That's 16 wins a month. You got a lot of work to do. Ca- all carried by Mitch Garver, AL MVP, <laughs> Mitch Garver. Uh, like I say, I mean, I got Venmo, I got PayPal, whatever you want, Mitch, it's fine. John, there's some other sports that we should be talking about, um, sure. but I don't know if we have the time to do it. Do you want to give me a quick, uh, a quick 90 seconds on the wild? Now, here's the question for you. The nature is healing theme for the wild is good, not great. Um, <laughs> competent, good players, somewhere between a three and seven seed and somewhere between a first and second round exit. Uh, paper Tigers, no real noise in the playoffs. It seemed like maybe this year they were going to break out of that, but I know that it seems, again, I haven't been paying a ton of attention. Have they plateaued? Have they hit a lull? What's been going on in Wildland? Well, I don't I don't know how much you can call it a lull. I, hockey is weird in that if the best team in the league, like the Tampa Bay Lightning, played the worst team in the history of hockey, the Buffalo Sabres, 10 times, there's a pretty good chance the Sabres would somehow manage to find a way to win five of those. So right. ho- hockey yeah. strange. Similar to way. baseball. Um, yeah. The Wild had, I guess it's about a week and a half ago now, the Wild had a couple of games against Colorado in which they absolutely got hammered. Just not even – like, did you see the other day Hermantown had a COVID exposure and so their JV had to play in the state tournament? I think that was yesterday or today. It was. Based... I did not see the results of the game, but I did read that that was going to happen. Yeah. they Well, they lost 7-3 to three to Dodge County, which if you know anything about Hermantown or Dodge County hockey, that really shouldn't happen. But – that whole okay. JV against the varsity kind of thing was exactly mm-hmm. what the Wild playing the Avalanche looked like. It was just absolutely a disaster. Um, since then, they've won three out of four, and they got a point in the fourth, but they really haven't looked good. If you go inside the numbers, they've been in the bottom ten in the league over that stretch in terms of in terms of what you would expect to happen. They had... One particularly funny game against St. Louis where they got outshot thirty seven to eleven and they won two to nothing. So Wow. Maybe I think it's possible that if you just if you threw out the two Colorado games and the St. Louis game, they would probably still be fine in the numbers. The problem with that is is that it's the time where you start looking forward to the playoffs a little bit and I Depending on how whether St. Louis can get anything rolling or not, the the four playoff teams in the West are pretty much set. And honestly, we said on the first wild podcast of the year that the four playoff teams in the West were pretty much set because Colorado and Vegas were real good, and so was St. Louis. And then the Wild were the only non-garbage hockey team out of the rest of the West, and that has proven to be true because Arizona and San Jose and Los Angeles and Anaheim are all garbage hockey teams, and so in some ways, the Wild already have a spot locked up. Their only goal really is to stay away from the Avalanche because the Avalanche are amazing in the first round. Um, so I think that'll probably involve finishing ahead of St. Louis. That's really their goal for this. the rest of this year is finish ahead of St. Louis in the standings, 
You'll probably get to play Vegas. They seem to match up pretty well with Vegas, despite Vegas being pretty good. Um, yeah. They're like similar quality, right? So at least right. it'll be a really good well, matchup first I think, round. If they I can think get Vegas there. is probably better, but for some reason the Wild always seem like they have their number. I don't know why that is, but yeah, it, they do seem to play well against Vegas, whereas as we saw a couple weeks ago, the idea of playing the Avalanche ever again, much less in the playoffs, is almost too horrible to contemplate. So mm-hmm. um there was also there was sort of a school of thought that said the Wild were they were just tired, they played a lot of games, but the schedule literally I think there's six weeks left in the season and every week they play Monday and Wednesday and Friday and Saturday. Like there's no there's no mini breaks. They got a three day mini break over the weekend where they didn't have any games, but the rest of the year it's all gonna be either back to backs or playing every other day and they're as usual. They're kind of old, and I I don't know how well they'll hold up. The I suppose the saving grace is that every other team in the NHL is in the exact same boat. It's not just the Wild, but there there were there seemed like there were a lot of excuses out there about oh they're just tired. They played ten games in eighteen days or something like that, or ten games in sixteen game days or whatever. But that's the rest of the season now. They got twenty four games in forty days or something like that. So. I don't <laughs> I don't think they're going to have another practice for the rest of the season. Um so what you see is what you get a little bit with the Wild right now. And that's fine. So one Sorry, you're almost up at your 5 minutes there. I wanted to Right. You said 90 so one seconds that... and I just ignored it cuz we both knew <laughs> that was never happening. Know. I know. I I said 90 seconds. I knew it meant 5 minutes. Right. Uh one thing that could be kind of interesting is the Wild do exactly what you say and get that third seed above St. Louis, but Vegas takes the one the one spot, then they would play Colorado right. in the first round anyway, right? So right. as you know, John, again, all I can ever do with uh, – the only thing I can bring to the table hockey-wise is playoff predictions. You know, all I just have this one – Website that I keep refreshing every time we have a podcast and I talk through it. Okay. The hockey reference, as you, as we all know, mm-hmm. which was invented by Hans, yep. our good friend, and is run by him. And he just has the spreadsheet at his house. So if something <laughs> looks off, it's Hans' fault. Yep. Hockey reference dot Hans. Hockey reference. Uh, hockey reference at Hans says that Vegas is more likely to get the one seed than Colorado, even though Colorado's better. Interesting. So they must just have a much uh, a much easier schedule going into it. Now <laughs> it's seventy seven to seventy six points is the project is the prediction right now. So it's basically a a coin flip at this point. So I'm sure you're gonna, you're right that Colorado will end up being the one seed there. But I mean, they've got. I said he. <laughs> They've Hans got the had. wild at uh do you want to guess the playoff percentage our famous bet their their chance to make the playoffs yeah just make them ninety four percent ninety eight ninety eight yeah yeah it's over and but it seems like the difference between the wild and the blues as you're talking about is pretty stark the blues are not a good team yeah they they and have been i I feel like they're a team that is good but is struggling, you know what I mean okay yeah. um yes, so their odds are way lower i i I think my expectation is that they'll rate the ship a little bit, and the wild have 
in some ways the Wild can write their own ticket a little bit because they have seven games with the Blues over that twenty-four game stretch or whatever. So right, they're playing the Blues. They're playing the Blues twice a week for the rest of the season, basically. Playing the Blues, man. Um, and they they do, okay. They I I feel like they have more games left against Colorado and Vegas than they do against the the dregs of the conference too. So maybe the only reason the Wild aren't at lock to make the playoffs at this point is the the computers Hans's Hans's mainframe is looking the forward and knowing knowing that they got a lot of games against Colorado left. Right. So right now, as of the end of March, the most likely scenario is Colorado against St. Louis, Vegas against Minnesota. And a what you would say is a solid season, a good season, a worthwhile season is if they beat Vegas in the playoffs. Right. Would that be would that be enough for a for a good time had by all? Well, my hope would be, and this is something that our good friend Chicken was talking about today. My hope would be that they could beat Vegas, but they could also sort of be peaking a little bit at that point because mm-hmm. a second round series against Colorado would be super fun, and especially if they yeah. can not get beat six to nothing and five to one like they did two weeks ago. Right, um, Karen Carpenter's peaking; he's making some things happen, mixing right. it up, hockey Rubio as we call him. But I mean, look on the bright side: the Wild have a great playoff history against Colorado. Maybe the two best moments in the history of the franchise were. Game sevens against Colorado. Did one of them happen in like 2002 or 2003? 2003, yeah. 2003, okay. 2003, they had that great playoff run where they somehow beat Colorado in overtime in game seven. And then they had a series against Vancouver that had Todd Bertuzzi, who I hope is in Canadian prison somewhere. Like, does Canada have a version of Guantanamo? That's where Todd Canadian Guantanamo. Canadian yeah, yeah, Guantanamo yeah. is where Todd. That's Bertuzzi actually like two thirds of Canada. <laughs> <laughs> How would you even know that you're in Guantanamo? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, sir. This is metropolitan Winnipeg. No, that's the same. That's the same. Yeah, same thing. No, you get 15 minutes outside Toronto. That's you're in Guantanamo. <laughs> Take that, Canada. Yeah. Um, oh man. Yeah, okay, that was good. a great year. That was a good check-in. I enjoyed it. Um, okay, well, John, do you want to do 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 I do I thus offer you ninety seconds of Vols time at this point? You know me too well. They won, by um, the way. They won tonight. I just looked at the box score. They did win, which is great. Big comeback um, in the fourth quarter. Tom Thibodeau yeah. expired in a puff of smoke. Finally vanquished. Finished the job Jimmy Butler started. Right. Um, no, I don't have a ton to offer there. I mean, that is definitely, again, coming back to the theme of nature is healing. They have become a not a not good basketball team, but kind of a par for the course, what you'd expect. Ho-hum. They'll win a couple, and they'll lose a couple, and they'll look terrible, and then they'll look fine, and, and back and forth there. So there used to be – there was a point at you know earlier this season – where it felt like, oh, these guys must be, these guys might be like historically bad, you know, at the end of the Ryan Saunders run there. And then the first few games of Chris Finch's career, they lost by like 35 points every game. Right. And so that was terrible and newsworthy. And now they've kind of gone into the not newsworthy, just sort of incompetent sort of thing. So 
Yeah, so that's good. But I'm glad gone, they won tonight. They've gone through like every iteration of the Timberwolves ever in one season. There was the mm-hmm. historically bad Timberwolves that lose every game by 50. There was the somehow this good team is trapped in uh, a, a wizard's nightmare where they lose every game by one point somehow. and <laughs> For like two straight weeks, yeah. Yep. And now they're just the regular old 33-win Timberwolves. Yep. They're not very good. They're okay. I feel like it, it, maybe the most Timberwolves part of the whole season was the trade deadline. And there was a lot of talk about would the, twi- would the Timberwolves trade for this guy or that guy or whoever. And ultimately they did absolutely nothing. And a kind way of reading that situation is to say, well, they just want to see what they have. They got a lot of young guys. They got – a lot of talent, and they just want to keep playing this out and see what they have with all of the trades they've made already. And the not kind way to read that is the Timberwolves have nothing but garbage players and no other team in the league wants any of them. <laughs> right. Yep. I mean, we talked about this. I don't remember who first said it, but we've mentioned a bunch of times here. I just have to repeat it because it somehow is the truest thing that we've ever said on this podcast. There are 10 players on the team who could be good in any given game, but only three will have a good game. The other seven will be awful. And every single game, it's a different three players. <laughs> and once we started saying that, it is just every single game. I'll either yeah. watch the game or pull up the box score and be like, oh, my God, Juancho, Aaron Gomez, and Jordan McLaughlin and Carl Anthony Towns were so good tonight. How did everybody right. else do? And everybody else's, you know, Ant- Anthony Edwards went, Four for 72 shooting. Ricky Rubio missed 11 layups. <laughs> Malik Beasley, you know, continued to be suspended and just so on. And they lose by 11. And you're like, yeah, but those three guys. So then when you start talking in the offseason, you're like, oh, that Jordan McLaughlin had some pretty good games. And then you forget that he had six really good games out right. of 72. And you can talk yourself into those six games as him being a good player. But yeah, I mean, they each, every. I mean, pretty much every single one of them, besides probably Culver and maybe Wancho and Lehman, almost all the rest of them have their moments when you can talk yourself into, like, this guy is a legit good player. But actually, none of them are besides Towns. Right. None of them are good. Right. So it's really, yeah, it's a really interesting season for sure. Um, They have not been boring me. Okay, John, I wanted to get to... Uh, oh, the other thing about nature is healing. Uh, Mike Zimmer is complaining about his offensive line while also <laughs> be making it very clear he has no idea how to have an, a good offensive line, which is very funny to me. He sounded like me when I'm not paying attention on a team's call when somebody asked him about one of his offensive linemen, and he just sort of like named the uh, other offensive lineman right. and moved on with the question. Well, why? Well, we got uh, Jim Davis still, so that's an interesting thing, and. Mike Peterson's here, so it's he's he's a player, and and then he just sort of moved on, which made right. me very happy. Nature is definitely healing with yeah. the Vikings right now. Mike Zimmer not knowing the names of most of his offensive linemen means <laughs> we're almost back to normal. <laughs> oh, I loved it so much. Uh, there's, there's that what fifty eight. What's his name? I can't remember his name. Oh, fifty eight. He had some moments last year. I think. Maybe. Okay, John. 
let's uh, let's talk about the last thing about nature healing, which was the actual. I was hoping we had a little bit more time to talk about it. Um, <laughs> Brandon, this is a podcast. We have as much time as we want. Nobody's <laughs> listening anyway. I'm talking about it until I get too drunk to make sense. Put it on three x speed, everybody. Let's just fly as through. As I mentioned. This. Yeah, I'll be slurring less on 3x speed. As I mentioned, it's my second tall boy. Um, John, you you got vaccinated. When you say tall boy, what do you actually mean here? 16-ounce can of Bell's Official beer. What I was imagining was you were just drinking two cans of PBR (laughs) and feeling proud about it. (laughs) Yeah. No, I'm doing Edward Forty hands. This has been really difficult (laughs) for me, for us to... Oh, man. (laughs) Just getting prepped for our big island trip. (laughs) We got to get our puking game into midsummer form. That's right. Yeah, you don't want that to be your first puke. We've been there, John, ten years ago, and it was our first first puke of the summer, and we felt bad. So you got to just kind of get ready, get your stomach lining all settled. Oh, um, just just to break in while we're talking about beer, I do want to mention our our great friend Stu, who has taken it upon himself, sort of on both ends of this pandemic, to be the beer fairy. Uh, mm-hmm. Early in the pandemic, he stopped by my house and he dropped beer on my front step and he tried to run off, but I saw him. And so I ran outside the house and made him talk to me. This time, he, he did this again on Friday. I think he knew that I I had kind of a rough day. I was pretty grumpy on Twitter or something. And he stopped by and he dropped off beer. And it was amazing beer. It was Surly's Give the Devil His Due. It was really good. It came at a perfect time. You know, Stu's the nicest man alive, but this time I mm-hmm. didn't actually see him. And so he he literally waited one hour to text me that there was beer on my steps because that gave him enough time to <laughs> drive, to, drive to Iowa or whatever. Like, you'll never find me. I did this nice thing for you. Anyway, it's the most central Minnesotan thing anyone could ever do. Yeah. So thank you, Stu. And- I want to take this occasion to remind people that he also did this for me one time, and he did not leave it on my front step. He knew I wasn't home, and for some reason, my door was unlocked. He just walked directly into my house and put the (laughs) beer inside my fridge so it was cold when I got home. That's awesome. And he texted me, and I thought it was a joke. And, you know, because he's a very funny person, and he will text us very funny things sometimes. He also was kind of a deep-cut sort of jokester at some point. So he said, there's uh, whatever, I don't remember if it was... Uh, Todd the X-Man or something is waiting for you in your fridge when you get home and I just the whole time I was at a family function or something was like what is that a reference to is this a <laughs> is there an SNL skit that I didn't what? see is this a McGruber bit that because we, we love McGruber is it that what did we talk about on the sport so all of my mental energy for four hours was wondering exactly what I meant because I wanted to write him back and you know kind of one up him with another joke and no, actually, he just meant there was beer in my fridge waiting for me when I got home. So, right, you never yeah. know what that's due. You got to keep your head on the swivel. Sure do. Okay, John, let's talk really quickly right. um, because the actual key to nature is healing is the vaccination. And you got vaccinated that's right. last week, and I got vaccinated yesterday. So we are now Vax Brothers. The process is starting. It's Stu just got starting. a second shot today. You and I both got our first shots. Chicken has long been immune to any disease of any kind, so. Yeah, of course. He's had them all. Somehow he's had that one many times. Everything is fine for old chickens, so. Yeah. It's, So one thing that we we talked about a little bit in the green room beforehand, but I'm curious, is, um, you know, we've been such cucks the entire time, very careful, coastal elite, 
afraid to do anything. Um, one just for health purposes and another just for wanting to make sure that we're not adding to the problem purposes. Um, and you kind of mentioned it quickly and we said, let's save it for the podcast, but trying to immediately turn your brain back into, I can go and you can't do everything. We have to do a lot of things um, with masks on still and all that sort of stuff. Right. But trying to imagine a world where you can just decide to go to a twins game and then just get tickets and go and sit right next to your friend and do whatever you want is at least for me, it's entirely reasonable Mm -hmm. and at the same time sounds impossible. Right. I cannot begin to describe how weird that sounds to me and I know I can and should be doing it, and I'm not <laughs> mentally uh, ready, I guess, even though I would force myself to do it. Are you kind of, where are you at with the getting back to normal? And again, I want to make sure the disclaimer of like wearing masks where you need to wear a mask and where it's safe and until people are vaccinated, being very careful with all that sort of stuff because we're not going to turn into people who don't care anymore. Um, that goes for, for both of us, I know. But in these other sort of places where we're with other vaccinated people and it's opened up and we're outside, yada, yada, yada. Are you, how quickly do you think you're going to be able to turn that corner? Well, honestly, I don't think that fast. I, I I have a lot of plans in my head at this point, like, Oh, on whatever day it is that it'll be five weeks since my first shot. And I've got the second shot and whatever in my, there's part of my mind that says, well, that is the day that is freedom day that is the day that i go outside and i tear off my mask and i walk into the grocery store or whatever and i'm just excited because i the pandemic is finally over for me and in reality of course it's not going to be anything like that but i i feel like it's going to take it's going to take time before i actually can force myself to do any of this stuff because it's going to be so much easier to just put it off another week, put it off another month. Like when are you going to go back to a restaurant and eat in a restaurant and sit indoors with other people who have their masks off the, and are they're eating and you can, you can see them breathing and you were sitting there with your mask off too. It's going to be a while before that feels like anything other than a bad dream. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so you talk, talking about things like going to Twins games or going to Loons games this summer or Saints games or whatever, this sounds amazing to me. I can't mm-hmm. wait. But if you tried to pin me down on a date right now, like, hey, the Twins are home May 16th. They have a day game. We should go to that game. I'd be like, I have a meeting that day. I can't. <laughs> I don't think I can make it that day because... It may, how, how can we do that? Well, it's been such a, you know, I mean, we've, depending on what your family circumstances are like or our friends or whatever, there's always going to be some people who are looser with this sort of stuff than, than you have been right? for every single one of us. Right. Right. Um, and so I just have always kind of played the card of, and I've said a thousand times of, I am in. I work in marketing. That's the only thing I actually know I, that I'm good at is is marketing. 
if my doctor tells me to do something, I just do it. I'm not going to try to outsmart him and say, right. well, maths aren't important here or there, whatever. Like, I'm a dumbass that works in marketing. If they tell me to do this, I'll do it. I'm following the science. It's all I'm going to do is follow the science. But, and again, please, I don't, maybe I'm, you know, a little bit wrong here, but the science would tell you if you're fully vaccinated and you're going to be outdoors, you should feel very comfortable that you're doing that. In fact, you should go do that because it's going to make you a member of society. It's good for your mental health, whatever. So if you're following the science, you should go to the Twins game <laughs> after you're fully vaccinated and through it. But even, right. but at that, I'm still a little like, Jesus, are you sure? Cause yeah. it, I don't, could, you, could you recheck you? all of your science? None of this. I don't know. Up. Yeah, run the numbers once again because it just feels so immediately back to normal that I'm I don't know if embarrassed is the right word um but a little weirded out of my own reaction to all of this um it's it's just gonna be yeah I I remember uh last uh summer I think it was kind of is the midsummer last year um we were with my wife's uh my wife's sister and she was dating a guy or something. And anyway, it ended up that we were going to go do some sort of outdoor bonfire and it was outside. Again, I, you know, generally think that sort of stuff is pretty safe. Um, but I'd never met this dude before. And, and we pull up and I see, you know, meet this guy for the first time and he comes over and he's got his hand out to shake my hand. And, you know, that was very, very right. weird. And I, and I, but I did it just cause I was like, Oh fuck, I don't want to, I, you know, just this yeah. weird sort of, you're I don't from, know if it's peer pressure or something. I just, would rather yeah, I didn't get COVID wanna... than offend this guy. Totally. I, and I, you know, I would never have sh- put my hand out there, but he did. And, and, you know, so I shook his hand. And then for the next 20 minutes of us having like general get to know you small talk, all I'm thinking about is I got to go wash my hands. I have to go wash my hands. Don't touch Don't your face. Oh my God. Which I, I know anybody listening to this, I know how, unlikely it was that that's exactly how I would have gotten COVID. We were outside. It was just one, whatever I get it. But still there was a, you know, a thing in my head that it was probably, probably going to happen. I'm trying to replay that scenario a month from now when I'm fully vaccinated, that someone just wants to shake my hand. And even that I'm having a hard time being like, Oh yeah, no, I'll be totally, totally good with that. That's going to be weird. It's all going to be so weird that I think we're just going to, I, this is a pep talk for myself at this point, but have to force our way into those sort of things. And just, if we've been, if uh, certainly I, but if we've been, hey, I'm just going to follow the science on this sort of stuff in one direction for so long, I think that's what we're going to have to fall back on in all these new situations in the opposite direction coming up here. And that's going to be very weird. For a very lot of weird. people. And there's going to come to a point where you go, yeah, I get it, but I just don't. I'm sorry, man. I'm just, just as, as how I was, I was not there mentally after that dude shook my hand. I was just not there, right? My brain was somewhere else. We're going to be in the same way in a couple, in a couple instances where it's like, hey, let's all go, as you mentioned, to a restaurant and eat. At some point, at the very beginning, we may just be like, no. I I know that I can. I know yep. that I probably should. I'm just not going to be there mentally right now. So I think that's just going to be an interesting, like, how do we move forward in that direction? But, um, yeah, the eating in a restaurant to me is, like, the weirdest because it's the most normal common thing that we did thousands of times right? Um, back in the before times. 
So it'll take a couple times, I think, until we feel really comfortable doing that. I think I, ultimately, post-vaccine, the strangest thing for me, and this is a little bit on the on the same theme, but I, I've spent so much mental and emotional energy just on the pandemic alone over the past 12 months. Um, following the news and trying to think through all of this stuff, like I, I can't tell you the number of times this year I've said, well, I'm not an epidemiologist. Like mm-hmm. there's so many decisions we've all had to make over the past 12 months. Like is my daughter going to go to go back to preschool? Are we seeing my folks now? Or are we not seeing my folks now? What are we doing? Is it safe to do this event? Somebody, uh, one of my wife's friends would invite them over for a play date or something like that. Is this safe? Is this not safe? I, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know all of these specific situations. We talk about following the science, but there's so much gray area even in that where you say, well, it's outdoors, but they're kids, so they're terrible at social distancing, and they're not wearing masks, and <laughs> what is that going to cost? Like, there's no way of knowing any of this stuff. So for the last, for the 54 weeks or whatever, that was the main thing that my mental and emotional energy was getting spent on was just all of that crazy stuff. And we were talking in the green room about, you know, I got my vaccine and I'm driving home, and it's like, my brain is working so over so much overtime that I can't it it keeps losing a handle on my jaw and like my mouth is just flopping open because <laughs> I'm just so flabbergasted by the whole thing. But the main takeaway that I felt like was it was a little bit like, oh no, I'm still the same person I was before the pandemic on this end <laughs> of the pandemic. Like all of these all of these yeah. other worries and anxieties and whatever that I had pre-pandemic that for an entire year have been entirely drowned out by the screaming of the energy that's getting spent on the pandemic. Now all of that stuff, it's like the the floodwaters have receded and now all of these islands are still there that are still the same thing that was there before. And it's like, oh man, I didn't, my my all of the things that were bothering me before then are still bothering me now. But now it's like uh, the the pandemic has just disappeared as one of those. So I I feel like that is the interesting place I'm right now at right now where it's not even it's not even so much looking at the anxieties of how am I going to reenter polite society. It's just back to the previous anxieties of how do I exist in polite society. Right. Yeah. It's not a miracle. Uh, it is a miracle in one way, but it doesn't change everything right. else about your life. Like, oh, right, I'm just regular old, dumb old yeah. me. Believe again. me, I hoped I was going to be a different person on the on the other end of this, but it turns out I'm still here. Yeah. Yep. Did you cry? I did not cry. I was too, like I said, I was too emotionally confused to even get to something so so emotionally straightforward as crying. I couldn't even get it I couldn't even get it to process quickly enough yeah. to have a strong enough emotion to be happy or sad or whatever joyful none of that it was just like uh, 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 it was just me mm-hmm. stuttering stuttering in my mind for the next yeah. hour afterwards Well they say the new how's the weather uh question is what one did you get 
Right. That's the new question because it's it's a perfect thing to talk about because it actually doesn't matter, but it's just kind of an interesting question uh, as a way into another conversation. I'm trying to normalize did you cry as being the main question after I got vaccinated. Did you cry? I think that's an interesting one. I did not. Um, so we talked about it a little bit, but I went to a high V in St. Peter, Minnesota, and I showed up and it was just a, the same pharmacy we see at every Walgreens and CVS and Target and everywhere else you go. It's just one little counter area and two chairs waiting next to it. And so I got there and both those chairs were in use and showed up and said, hey, I'm Brandon, I'm here for my 530. And they said, all right, cool. Give, give me a couple seconds. And the person grabbed a little vial and walked around and said, come with me. And I walked six feet around this little privacy screen and uh, said, do you have any questions? I said, well, which one am I getting? She said, Pfizer. I said, okay, um, can I take a picture? She said, yeah, I don't care. And she sat down and did it. And it was like 20 seconds. And so I was probably similar to you of like, it happened really quickly and I was very overwhelmed. I did not cry. I got a little sort of like, I needed to just sit there for a second and just realize what just happened. And I think I started trying to talk to her (laughs) just about, I just remember being like, you know, I, I, I just really can't believe that that just happened. It's just been such a, it's such a hard year in so many ways. And I was still sitting down and kind of looking down and I, I guess I just needed to talk it out for a little bit, but then I just realized she was just standing above me and kind of staring at me. And she's just, you could tell she was like, yeah, I don't give a shit, man. Right. I got to have another appointment in five minutes. And it this was such an important, and I just was, so I mumbled a few words of boy, this is just a really hard year. And I'm just so thankful. I, whatever. And she's like, all right, well, let me know if you have any questions. <laughs> That's it. She's like, get out of here. And so so that was it. So it was like like a lot of things when you go are dealing with medical professionals, it's very important to you, and they don't give a shit. Right. They're doing this all day long. So, um, so yeah, we'll see. But we've got a couple, couple weeks here until we're... S- sort of in the clear and then a couple more weeks until we're fully in the clear. But, uh, and who knows? I mean, maybe this will all come back to normal for us in, you know, bits and pieces, but, but maybe a little bit quicker than we expect. I think that's probably how, if we learned anything at the very beginning of all of this, it's how quickly we got into remote work and zoom meetings and all this other stuff as well. Maybe it'll be the same way the other way around where all of a sudden it's just like, yeah, we thought it would take us months to get normal. It actually only took us a few weeks and it, I don't know. That's what I'm kind of hopeful for, but still knowing it's going to be, it's going to, I know for a fact it's going to be a long time until I shake someone's hand and don't have to sit there and think about it for the next few minutes. Right. I mean, speaking of remote work, and this podcast is way too long, but I feel like this pandemic has really ruined the concept of remote work for a lot of people. Like, before the pandemic started, pretty much everybody wanted to work from home a couple days a week. And now, I mean, most companies are coming back and saying, well, we're going to have a hybrid policy. You're going to be in the office a couple days, and you're going to work from home a couple days, and Mm -hmm. we're going to, your desk no longer exists, and you're going to have to sit at somebody else's desk all the time, and it's going to be terrible in that way. And I feel like pretty quickly it's going to be a lot of people saying, 
Actually, I would love to come back to the office every day. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. I'm so tired of working from home, I never want to do it again. And well, I, there's the novelty of it, but there's yeah. also just the, I think there's a really powerful separation, like a church and state sort of thing. Right. Where, you know, the, the old joke at the very beginning of this was, we all realized we weren't working from home, we were living at work. Right. <laughs> Which is a small but very strong distinction. So I can see that for sure. Being yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in the boat where I was working remote anyway, so I, it hasn't necessarily changed anything of what this year was going to be like anyway, but I, working from home, my coworkers are really awful here in the office. They mm-hmm. knock on my door. I'm specifically talking about my children here. They're the worst coworkers <laughs> ever. Coworkers, roommates. Yeah, yeah. They're four and one, and they have no sense of anything. My daughter will – I she does not have hearing problems. We get her checked, but she insists on playing everything <laughs> at 100 million decibels. Like, oh, oh she's listening to an audiobook in the afternoon because it's quiet time and she's got to stay in the basement. I'm going to mm-hmm. turn it up so that people in other houses can hear it. Yeah. I, I well, mean, one of the things I was really looking forward to, working remote, it's like, oh, it's so quiet. I, nobody bothers me. I can get it done. I have to wear noise-canceling headphones in my own house because my kids are so loud. <laughs> There's going to be people like, yeah, parents of small kids that are going to be desperate to go into the office. I know. What about, like, executives who are like, yeah, my uh, office, I have this gigantic office with right. floor-to-ceiling windows. I have an assistant who goes and gets me breakfast and lunch and my Diet Coke anytime I want it. Why on earth would I stay home when I can right. go? I have private parking. I have the, the parking spot that's closest. Um, why would I ever want to work from home? I'm desperate. I have to go back into the office. So then you've got the executives. Now, everybody who wants to be an executive... Mm-hmm. When they see that the executives are in the office, what do they want to do? They're going to go in the office, too, because they got to be seen, because they want to be an executive, yada, 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 and on down the line. And so the thing that we're hearing a lot about, like, in my work and a bunch of others as well, is, like, this could be just one of those, like, do whatever you need to do for your day. Right. You know, if the your kids are home because it's, you know, President's Day or whatever, it's easier for you to be home. That's fine. Stay home this day. And uh, especially we're thinking about winter in the future. Hey, most of January, just stay home. Yeah. Who cares? It's cold. It's dark. It's so. I mean, this year was so much better for everybody. It's hard to hate winter when you barely experience it. Right. Um, and so I can see that being the new thing is like, hey, it's just whatever your day you need to do. This office is here if you need it, but you can do it from home. I think that makes a lot of sense in theory, but in practice, that seems exhausting. People like routines. They like knowing where they're going to go and what they're going to do. I love having an alarm set at the same time every day. I love that me and my boys, when they're back in school, we leave at the same time here every morning. That's my job. I do drop off. That's good for me. That's good for my mental health. I think it's good for a lot of people's mental health. And so this sort of like hybrid scenario where sometimes you're in the office and sometimes you're not, I think is going to be, I think we're all going to get pretty set in our ways pretty quickly of we're for the most part, one or the other. Um, so I think that'll be a really interesting to see some of these sort of like cultural things collide and where we all end up. 
don't right. know. I could talk about this sort of stuff for hours. We shouldn't, but hmm. um, it'll be fascinating to see where we all end up now that we know you can work in the office and you can work from home. Both of those are equally viable. Right. Now let's see which one wins. Right. I think my prediction is that in-person work is going to come back faster than anyone's expecting right now. Okay. Because people are going yeah. to be so desperate to get back to not being yeah. around their kids or whatever. Yeah. I can see that, but I can't wait to see what happens when the first snow hits. Right. Then no one will be in the office. And then nobody. It's going to be everybody. And then once certain time, and then all the executives that we're talking about, they're all going to be in Florida or Arizona. They're like, forget this. I've got a second home. That's where I'm going to be. Right. So it'll be. Maybe that's what I'll do. Next there you year. Go. Next year, I'm a snowbird. Yeah. Yep, exactly. Okay, John. All right. This has been too long. Too long. Too long since we talked, and then we talked too long. That's what happens. Nice guys episodes. Yep. Got too much stuff to talk about. Okay, we'll wrap it up. We'll see you all next week. Uh, Goodbye. Goodbye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.